Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Coast to Coast Combat Hour, brought to you by AllAccessMMA.com. Uh, as usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Ed Carbajal, and this week we have the pleasure of being joined by longtime MMA fighter, uh, UFC competitor, uh, Anthony Rocco Martin. Uh, gentlemen, uh, how you guys doing? I'm doing good, man. How about yourself? Doing great. I'm all right, uh, Anthony. Uh, I just uh, we were talking before we started recording, but uh, really quick because uh, I didn't know you had a podcast. I follow you on Twitter, and I'm surprised I haven't seen tweets about it and stuff like that. So, um, would you mind uh, telling us the name of it? And, and uh, yeah, it's like- Rocco and Ryan. So I'm out there with 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 Ryan Gerald right now, and we're doing a little podcast. I'm so bad at social media, so like I I always tell him like, hey, just tell me what to post, what to do. <laughs> And I'm pretty much just retweeting what, what he says. I need to get better. That's where I need to get better at. Uh, obviously, most in this sport, I feel like social media is uh, very important, but something that I'm, I'm lacking out. What made you get into podcasting? Just wanted to be more involved or looking for another outlet uh, to talk fights or be in the fight world outside of actually being in the cage? Yeah, well, my ex-girlfriend was always upset at me because all I do is talk fights there. So it'd be 24-7. All I do is talk fights. I watched all the fights. And I, I enjoy fighting. You know, I, I enjoy the whole martial art. I, I enjoy the competitive, the competitive spirit of all the athletes. I, I enjoy their stories. So there's a lot more to it that I feel like there's some fighters that I don't. I'm not fans of fighters that aren't a, a fan of the sport. You know, and uh, I do feel like there there's a couple of them out there that doesn't make sense to me. That uh, you know, I, I really think that martial arts changed my life, and the fight, the sport of fighting has changed my life, and uh, I love talking about it. It's just something that I enjoy doing. And uh, after fighting, it, it's something that I feel like that I want to do afterwards. Um, I, I, that's interesting that you said that. Cause one of the things I, I, as I was researching you for, for this interview, um, I, I saw that you were, you were playing football and then you kind of discovered Brazilian jiu-jitsu and that's how you yeah. got into mixed martial arts. Can you just talk about your journey and how you saw you started fighting? Yeah, I was playing football my whole life. I went out to NDSU to play football in college, and I just kept getting in fights. So I ended up getting kicked out of kicked out of school actually for fighting. And uh, one of my buddies that was on the football team, he said, "Hey, you should come check out this gym in St. Cloud, Minnesota." Uh, Brock Larson was there, and I walked into the gym, and uh, a little one twenty five pounder named Dan O'Neill absolutely mopped the floors with me. And I, I, at this time, I, this is when I was watching George St. Pierre a little bit. <laughs> I thought I was the baddest man on the planet. Okay. I, I truly believed I was like, oh, I get in there with George. I could beat George, you know, because you're like those delusional people that don't, yeah. don't understand the sport. And I, really, this is the problem with fighting is that you, that regular, normal people like myself that have no experience for some reason think that we could beat up these professional mm-hmm. fighters. Yeah. And uh, long and behold, this amateur 125 pounder absolutely destroyed me. And uh, I never left. I had Matt, Matt burn all over my face. Uh, Brock was telling me, like, hey, if you want to take a couple days off, let, let your wounds heal. I'm like, nope, this is it. And then literally about three months later, I quit my job. I went full in. A year later, I went pro. So it was like something I just fully invested in the second I found it. Well, how long had you been training before you had your first amateur fight? Uh, three months, I think. Three, four months. And then I had my first amateur fight. Um, I only had two amateur fights and it was, uh, it was a struggle to get them. It was a struggle to get them because 
Brock knew he knew that I was a good athlete, and uh, Brock Larson in Minnesota is huge, you know. So he was uh, I'm amazing there. What he says is gospel. So he was talking me up to people, and so no one would take the fight with me. I wanted more amateur fights, and we were trying to call it the the, the toughest amateurs, but they just wouldn't fight at the time. So we just went pro right away. It's weird when you uh, when you talk about like your beginning and stuff and that whole mindset because uh, I, uh, I I I do jujitsu. I'm, I'm a hobbyist. I'm I'm not at the level that you guys are, or whatever. But um, you know, uh, I've been doing it for a while now. And uh, when you when I see these younger guys come in, it's it's like there's always this weird. It's nice to see the enthusiasm, but you know that they kind of got to get checked a little too. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and that's kind of like where you where you figure out who's going to stick around and and who isn't. It's usually after those first few uh, sessions where they. I mean, it's it's weird how you have to kind of get beat up to see where you you know it humbles you, but then you figure out if it kind of helps you know that whether or not this is for you. And obviously, this is for you. Um, uh, you're you're six feet tall and you fight at welterweight. Uh, I'm like. I'm 5'11 and I can't even get to, I can't, the last time I was at 170 something pounds, uh, you know, it was a long time ago, yeah. but, uh, but so, I mean, like what, what type of the discipline for, to, to stay in fighting shape all the time come from football or did, or did you pick this up over time? Well, I, I mean, I used to fight at 155, you know, I was down at my first, uh, had to be eight, nine fights in the UFC were at 155. So that was, that was discipline. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a, I mean, that was more, not discipline, but stupidity is what <laughs> I would say. It was more stupidity on the, the side of there. But when I got in the UFC, I needed the size advantage, you know, I needed that size advantage and, but it was, I was killing myself to make weight. And, uh, finally I was getting told a million times, you've got to go up to 170. Mm. I moved up to 170. I'm smaller than I'm, I'm at 170. I'm smaller now than I was at 155. Hmm. Um, it's just my body was retaining everything. If I, when I would cut all that weight to 155, I'll get up to 205. Now mm. I, I really 195. I actually last fight, last, last fight, last, last fight camp. I got up the highest. I started lifting again. I started taking all these uh, protein shakes and pre workouts because the UFC PI was sending them to me, mm-hmm. and I was really, I was really focused on putting a little bit of size on because I needed, I needed to get a little bit bigger actually to stay at 170, but. Um, no, there is discipline. And, and like you were saying, you know, early on in those days, you know, a lot of people are front runners in the world, you know, and it's, uh, the second you get smacked around, you're like, oh, this ain't for me. But, uh, I was the opposite. You know, I was one of those guys that I, I enjoy getting smacked around. Even, even to this day, if I go into the gym and I'm always winning, I'll leave. I, I don't want to stick in a gym where I'm winning all the time. So I go, uh, now I'm out here in ADT Atlanta. And we have like three, four world champ grapplers. We always have Douglas Lima, Diego Lima, some phenomenal strikers that every day I'm getting my ass whooped. If I wasn't, if that wasn't happening, I promise you I wouldn't stick around. Um, So I'm always trying to push myself to the limits. And I like, I like the aspect of losing because I want to win so bad that every day I show up to training, I'm motivated to win. Mm -hmm. And and that's, that's something that is a, a driving factor for me. What just curious? What were you like a safety when you played football, or what position did you play? Yeah, in high school, obviously I was linebacker, running back. But when I went to college, I was a little bit too small. I was at one ninety five, so I I moved out to free safety when I was there. And uh, 
so I was out there and I was behind Nick Schomer when I was there and, uh, you know, I'm getting drafted like seventh round, but, uh, it just, I love football. Even to this day, I, I definitely, there's some hard feelings I have with, I just wasn't that greatest in not, not, I wasn't, I was good in school. It's just the, the problem was you go to college, you don't have your coaches calling you anymore. You don't have all this, you kind of have all this freedom and I needed structure. You know, I was just got a needed structure. Even now to this day, I'm telling you, if I'm not in camp, you know, it's, my coaches are calling me because they're like, listen, let's keep Tony on the straight and narrow because I'll go off, I'll drift out. So I need to be on the straight and narrow. I need something to, I need these goals and these focus and I need dates, you know, I need fight dates. So in football, I'd be great during football season, phenomenal. Second football season was over. They would all be worried about me a little bit like, okay, how do we keep Tony out of trouble? But, uh, no, I, I mean, I love football, but I also, I've absolutely fallen in love with uh, uh, with MMA. You know, I own a gym out in St. Cloud, Minnesota now um, with uh, with Brock and Tyson Chartier. I don't know if you know him, but he, he's the coach for Rob Font and Calvin Cater, who's uh, main event next and, and manager yeah. for all these guys. Um, I, uh, talking about your, your what you just talked about, trying to stay out of trouble and uh, staying focused and kind of needing to be in some type of uh, – fight camp how's it been with the whole covid situation i mean i know you had the one fight canceled before the last one against magni so like just with the with i mean like right now with nothing you don't have anything lined up i don't i haven't heard anyway um how are you staying like are you training with those same set of dudes with the lima brothers and like how do you stay in shape during uh times like this where well, it seems hard well, it's tough yeah, yeah, it's tough. Well, first, I just had knee surgery. So I just had last week, I had knee surgery. I, I just an easy uh, knee scope, uh, getting the meniscus out. So I just had that. I knew I was going to have it um, going into the Neo, the Neo Magni fight. I knew I ended up having oh, wow. to get a cortisone shot about two weeks before the fight. Oh. And I was, so I was dealing with the knee going into the fight. No excuses for the fight, but I was saying, uh, you know, I, I went and injured. I knew something was wrong. And, uh, so I ended up having knee surgery just last week. And I'm not supposed to train yet, but I trained for the first time today a little bit lightly. And uh, so, but I'm, I, I feel I'm going to make a good return. And I think that uh, I've had four of them before, but mm-hmm. there's some other things also going on with the knee that I just need to give a little bit of time to. So it, it, that part's tough. You know, like you said, it's, uh, but I was just out in Minnesota seeing my daughter uh, seeing my family and stuff, and that and that that part definitely motivates me is when I'm around my family, but more because they all live in Minnesota, so all all my friends and and family outside of my training partners, you know that that are close friends here, um, are all in Minnesota. So that part is I'm out here in Atlanta by myself, mm. and just when I don't have a fight booked, it, it's a little tough staying motivated. But I feel good. I feel good. Uh, just want this knee to heal up and get back at it and see where I go from here. You so you're okay. So you're all over the map because on the on the you know topology has you uh, born in Illinois, fighting yep. out of Boston. Now you're you went to Minnesota. I noticed that's where all your early most of your early fights were uh, there in the Dakotas, and then now you're in Atlanta. Your family's in Minnesota. What where does Boston fit into that mix? Where you did you just live in Boston for a while? Yeah, so, man, I'm telling you, I just realized, I don't know if I'm just one of those those people that's just a weird guy, or I, I don't know what it is. I haven't figured out. I've never lived anywhere other than Illinois, because I lived in Illinois until about eighth grade. <clears throat> I haven't lived anywhere more than three years. Hmm. So, 
know what that means. If I just need change, if I'm just like one of these guys that just doesn't feel good in the same spot forever. But, you know, I went to high school in Wisconsin. I went to college in North Dakota a little bit. I lived in Minnesota. I only lived in Minnesota like two years. But all my family lives in Minnesota now. All my close friends, Brock Larson's my first coach. who's always in my corner now to this day. one of my best friends. Then I moved out to Boston. So I moved to Boston. I was there in Boston for three years. And uh, that's when I met Tyson, Rob Font, Kelvin Cater, and all those guys out in Boston. And because uh, I was out at uh, St. Tongue with Mark Delgrati for a while, with uh, Eddie Alvarez was my boxing coach. And uh, then I moved down to Florida. I was down in Florida, uh, ATC Florida, for about two years, uh, the last two years uh, prior to this year. And now I'm out here in Atlanta for the last year. Oh, so you, yeah, you're definitely getting around. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've lived in California my entire life, so I don't even – I saw the coast I haven't been on. <laughs> and I want to get the hell out of here. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so you, you, you being competitive football, you talked about, you know, seeing George St. Pierre and and thinking in your mind you could beat yeah. him before you realized what, what the game entailed. Um you said you had a couple amateur fights. I see you have on the side I'm looking at, it looks like you have two. You won both of those. You yep. came out the gate, you won a handful of fights. How long did it take you into your pro career or even your amateur career, if that was the case, for you to realize I'm good at this? Uh, I, I think I can compete at a world class level. Um, and maybe one day I, I will be in the cage with somebody like George St. Pierre. What, when did that click for you and you said, well, shit, I, I, this, is, this is what I'm meant to do? Yeah, day one. Really? Day one, I knew it. I knew I, I knew that this was where what my calling was. Hmm. And I even to this day, I feel like I've underperformed. And I think that there's a lot more for me to give to the sport and uh, a lot more for my body to give. I mean, I'm only 30 years old. I didn't start training till I was 21 years old. So I think there's still a lot more. Uh, I have a lot more in the tank, man. And uh, I've been a fighter since day one. I grew up in uh, downtown Chicago. Uh, North Minneapolis, where, uh, you know, I've been struggling my whole life. And this is, uh, I, this is, I was made to fight, man. I'm telling you right now, I was made to fight. Uh, if you met my mother, you, you would know, like, I, well, our family's made to fight, you know. And uh, so I'm excited. You know, I, I'm happy. I'm happy that I have the opportunity to, to really, uh, be in the moment and, and enjoy, enjoy life, you know, at the fullest. And I think that right now I'm just enjoying life and I knew day one. And that's why right away I didn't leave those mats. And it was because that's the second I got beat up by a 125 pounder. I was like, this is it. And I knew I had it, you know, in my head, I knew, uh, you know, I wrestled only one year of high school. I went to state one year in and uh, everyone, everyone thought that, there was zero chance I would have any success in wrestling, even in high, it's high school, but still, you know, I never wrestled a day until my senior year of high school. I played basketball all the way up till then. Mm. And, uh, I had success, um, football, I, I had success and, and there's just something that I feel like there's nothing I can do in this world that I won't give it all. I won't go all in on and, and be successful. So it's something that, but fighting there's nothing. There's nothing more real than it, and uh, that's what motivated me. Yeah, I mean, I I can't help. I agree with you 100. Um, percent One of the things I want to wanted to ask you. It's your it's your your welterweight in the welterweight division. So this past weekend, the the main event, 
you know, there's a lot of discussion as to, um, you know, who's next and, and yeah. how the rankings should work or, you know, who should fight for the title next. As a welterweight, I was w- wondering what your take is on because uh, it seems like there's people that think it should be Leon Edwards and then there's yeah. people that, that agree with the rankings that it should be Gilbert Burns. So I was just wondering where you stood. Yeah, I do. I, I, I believe that it should be Gilbert right now, even though before I was kind of adamant that I thought that Leon did deserve it, you know, and then he had some circumstances, a lot of circumstances. He had so many circumstances come up that, that really hindered his uh, his opportunity. But him not taking that that fight when they offered it to him last night before Masvidal, I think that that, that mm-hmm. was a decision that I say that Gilbert is now next in line. Granted, maybe he wasn't ready. Maybe he wasn't able to train. I get that. I understand that. But now the only reason why Gilbert didn't fight was because the because he got the coronavirus and he was ready to fight and he's been on a tear. Um, I do think that he, he deserves the next shot. I, I feel like Leon should fight Colby Covington and Masvidal should fight uh, uh, a money fight. I think he should fight a money fight. And then I think that he should fight the, the loser – of Colby versus Leon or the loser of Usman versus uh, um, uh, Gilbert. And I think that that should be the next contender fight. Yeah. I mean, I think that makes all the sense in the world. I, you know, this is not a knock on Masvidal because there's nothing wrong with being the second or third best fighter in the world in your weight class. I just don't, I don't, I've never met the guy. If I interview him in the future, maybe he'll call me out for this, but I don't know if he'll ever be a world champion in the UFC. Um, right. and, and that's not a knock because he's making a ton of fucking money. And I, a lot of money. and I think that there's a lot of fights for him. Um, you talk right. about money fight. I think McGregor's a good fight. I think getting in there with Colby, getting in there with a Leon Edwards, getting in there with Usman again. I don't think that does a lot for where he's kind of at in his career. And maybe that's a, a, a pessimistic view on my part. Uh, but that's just kind of how I see he, he, right now, he basically behind McGregor, he's probably number two in the in the money making. Uh, yeah, give or take maybe a name or two that John. I don't know. You know, maybe John Jones if he has I a huge fight. Big money too, I think. But yeah, but so with me, I you know I would stay away from those guys. Uh, the, the a Wonder Boy rematch, um, even like a Dos Anjos or something. Somebody who's going to kind of stand in there and throw with him seems like that's the that's the the trail I would go for him, but that's neither here nor there. I just, uh, but I do agree with you, with your assessment that, uh, that it probably should be Burns right now. He took the Woodley fight when, when times were yeah not great. He took it late notice uh, you know, and, he's been, I, and he's been calling out everybody. I, yeah. I, I just, one thing I got to say only because it kind of ties in with, with what Tony said when he, when he first started with, uh, you know, you, you, you got beat up by the 125 pounder. One thing I got to, I just kind of disagree with you, Matt is because I noticed and the post fight press conference, like Masvidal took the loss, and it just seemed to re—he seems focused on a title now. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he's changed so much in in the sixteen years he's been fighting. I kind of feel like, uh, just like the way Tony said, we even though he took he got that first beating, it, it ignited the flame to make him want to compete and make this his career. I kind of see Masvidal changing focus, if you will. Uh, you know, wanting you know, he just said today that uh if, if if he had a choice between Connor and Usman for the title he said he'd ter- he'd take the title fight uh as long as he could prepare for it uh, well so i mean well, yeah but he might do that just because i feel like he knows he's a draw he knows he's now the a side like you were saying mm. that Connor's Connor's only guy ahead of him that could pull in money and maybe Khabib but outside that 
it's it's him. So he knows a rematch, and you sell it for for you sell this thing for three months. It's still gonna sell maybe one point six, one point seven. Now, if you sold one point three, then yeah, they might sell one point six, one point seven, because. You know, I, I do think there was parts that I felt like Masvidal exposed Usman. I, I, I felt like I was shocked at how I felt like Usman was shying away from uh, uh, Masvidal's strikes. And that, mm-hmm. that part shocked me because I thought that Usman was confident enough in his striking to 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 really unleash that and, and to grapple at the same time. I thought he would have to mix in grappling. But I feel like he, he never felt that comfortable on his feet like I, I thought he would. Yeah, and let me make it clear. I, I, I was rooting for Masvidal. I would love to see the guy become a world champion. I love watching him fight. I just think that where he's at financially right now, avoiding the big wrestlers would be would be a way to cash in. He's not young. Um, right. You know, that's and that's the reason why he doesn't want to fight Colby, though. You know, and I think people, you know, not you, you're you're a prize fighter, but I think people lose the sight a little bit of prize fighting. Is, is That's why it's called prize fighting. And McGregor's kind of doing that right now, too. I mean, McGregor can call out Khabib all he wants. But the reality is, if he beats Cowboy Cerrone seven times, he makes a lot more money than if he loses to Khabib again. I mean, it's just, it's just yeah. the reality of, of the industry. But uh, uh, t- other Tony, than, you I, know, uh, go ahead. I got a I got a question for you. Just because of, I mean, you were you, you had that one fight booked. I forget who it was supposed to be that got canceled because of the COVID stuff. And, yeah, and and then and then you had you took this fight with Magny. I mean, I don't know. Was that that really? Because you were already in camp preparing for one person, and then you 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 got a fight with Magny. What's your take on the whole short short notice thing? I mean, I mean, with six days. Obviously, I know if it was you, you'd say yes. You seem like obviously you're going to say yes to fights, but uh, just what's your take on that whole short notice thing? Well, I mean, uh, training for a fight is different than than training. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like you might be training. You might be in training shape, but you're not, you're not, you're not in fight shape. It, it's a different, it's a different scenario. And, uh, I don't think that Mazda, I've never seen Mazda in the gym even gas, you know what I mean? So I mm-hmm. think that when I was down there for the two years, so I think that obviously taking a six, six, six days notice cutting that weight too, is what you gotta, you gotta factor in as well, where your body's not prepared like it normally is to cut that weight. That's even more taxing on the body. So you're taxing the body already. Yeah. Um, so I think that that definitely played a factor in, into the uh, fight. And I, and I do, I really do think that Masvidal would have a chance if they ran it back at a full camp. But yeah. do I think he deserves it? I don't. I don't think he deserves it. I, that's the my, that's where I stand is I don't think he deserves it. Do I think he stands a chance after watching that first fight? Yes. And I think that Gilbert Burns gives uh, Usman trouble now after watching that fight. Yeah. Yeah, I thought Burns was a tough matchup all around for for Usman. I feel like they're they're real close. Uh, the skill sets, at least to me, seem like they're they're close. I mean, Burns, I would say, gets the plus for BJJ, obviously. Um, yeah. And then and then and then Usman takes a little bit of the wrestling, so he'd have to negate that if they ended up on the ground. But um, yeah, it's the the whole division's pretty wild right now. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see the other title fight that happened the other night that that has had a lot of people talking because of the question. People's questionable about the uh, question on the judge's decision is uh, Holloway and Volkanovski. Um, not a rematch. I, I stated I wasn't really super into the rematch, although I did on the show pick Holloway to win the rematch. Yeah. Uh, I I thought he won the fight. Uh, I don't call it a robbery because I think it was close. 
Um, and I don't like to use that word unless it's blatant. Um, but uh, what was your take on it? Obviously, Volkanovsky ends up winning uh, three rounds to two, essentially split decision. Um, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, three rounds to two. Yeah, How did right. you see that? Yeah, I, I, I thought that Max won the first three. I thought he did enough to win the first three. And uh, Volk came on hard towards the end of the third round, and I feel like he, he was trying to steal the round. And that's the only thing that kind of sucks with judging is that I mean, Diego Sanchez made a made a career on it. It was stealing rounds, you know, towards towards the end of the round would turn it on, and the judges love to see see that towards the end of these rounds, and that and they almost forget about the the rest of the round. So, I thought he did enough. I thought he won the fight, but like you said, a robbery isn't isn't the word I would use. I would say it's a wrong decision, but I wouldn't say robbery. You know what I mean? Because I can see if you're kind of uh, you know you're a fan of something else, if you're a fan of that hard goes towards the end and showing that you're maybe he felt like Volk was trying to finish more. I don't know, but so I wouldn't say robbery, but I, I do think it was the wrong decision. How about you, Ed? what do you think of that fight? Uh, the, the Holloway Volkanovsky. Sorry. Yes. I got it. I got an alert from my, from my, uh, my family. Um, um, I mean, I, I thought Holloway did better. I, I actually I kind of thought he he won when I was watching it, but you know um, when when the judges uh you know when the, when you involve the judges you you can't really uh it's hard to undo anything no matter what. I saw FanDuel was offering refunds for folks that bet bet <laughs> so I was like you know like I said you know what like like you can't undo with the judge's decision but I mean to say what you will I know I know Dana White afterwards said that. Uh, He'd like to clean up some of the officiating with the refereeing and stuff that went on that night, plus that ju- that match. But um, I mean, I I, I thought Holloway might have done enough to one. I was at, you know, live tweeting the event and stuff. I was because I, I write that editorial for MMAnews.com, and I was just like, I think uh, he might have he might have won this. And then when I heard the decision, I wasn't shocked, but I was kind of like, okay, you know, it is what it is. To quote yeah. Max Holloway, it is what it is. So. Tony, I was at I was at your fight uh, against Alex White a few years back in uh, Phoenix. Yeah. Um, that fight went to decision. Do you have any experience in your career with decisions that you totally disagreed with? I mean, have you felt yeah. you've been wronged by the judges, or were there you know on the other side were there any fights that you honestly didn't think you won that you got the nod? Uh, how how, was the, how have the judges been for you? Did you fall asleep during the Alex White fight? <laughs> uh, no, I was probably drinking, <laughs> but uh, oh, okay. I, I was. No, I, was I feel still... like the Neil Magny fight was wrong. I feel like the Neil, my last fight with Neil Magny, I thought I won the the first two rounds, and that he dominated the third round. And uh, I mean, MMA decision said that eighty percent of the media outlets all agreed that said that I won the first two rounds. Um, I, I go back to Sherdog sure right away just to see because they do that live score with the three judges. All three scored me 29-28. And then to have two judges say 30-27, Neil Magny. And then right after the fight, he came up to me. Literally, they announce it because they do the, the uh, interviews in the back now. So he came up to me. He's like, hey, that was bullshit. You won the fight. And uh, so the last fight is the one that I, I looked to and um, was my last fight in the UFC contract. So it was uh, a double dagger because obviously – now they now all my negotiation like uh mm. my my me holding the cards is kind of uh disappeared because you know the UFC it doesn't matter what anyone else says if the judges say you lost you lost and uh financial reasons that 
Uh, so that part was tough last fight. Do you, do you I mean, see I, any way to fix that? I mean, in your opinion, we've talked about judging before, but do you have any yeah. – uh, Do you have, is there anything that you would do in your mind to fix it? Would you put them in monitored rooms? Would you uh, – I mean, I always thought that the crowd played a role in it, but we've seen right now with no crowds that, in my opinion, the judging has been as bad as ever. Um, so, yeah, I so – It's bad. I think that – I was thinking about the one thing is I don't know if we bring in more judges. If we bring in more judges, mm -hmm. maybe we bring in uh, – three out out there and three on monitors only or something like that, or, or try to try to, we need to figure out something though. I, I think that, I think that judges should be held accountable as well. I think that that's something that's not done is that these judges aren't held accountable. And uh, I, even th I even thought this weekend with Dos Santos versus uh, Muslim. I don't know if you saw that fight on the undercard, but I thought that Dos Santos got robbed. And I thought that, he he hurt Muslim twice, in the, once in the first round, once in the second round, and then there was uh, one judge that gave it thirty twenty seven to Muslim, and uh, I even went. I always go to uh, MMA decisions right away, just to kind of mm -hmm. see what they're saying. Only two judges gave it to Muslim, and both those judges were twenty nine twenty eight. So you have one judge that's in the live fight saying thirty twenty seven. There's not one judge out of twenty twenty five media outlets that that all. All they do is watch fights. All you guys do is watch fights, right? It's, yeah. There's nothing else you do. These guys may have other jobs, these judges. You know, they have other jobs. All these guys do is watch fights, and not one judge said 30-27. This judge yeah. needs to be held accountable, and, and, uh, and, and he's untrustworthy. And I think that if you hold these guys a little bit more accountable, that to be responsible, to be like, hey, to be invested in into what you're doing, that, that things could change. Uh, I don't know if adding more judges is the answer or having X fighters be the judges. I, I don't know. It's, it's tough. I'm not even sure if the, if fighters know nowadays how, how to, how to score fights. I think it's uh I think, I think the, the latter thing that you said as having uh former fighters do judging would probably make for better, uh, better judging in the future. I just don't think there's enough guys, you know, trying to do it or, or, Maybe there's not enough fighters or, that are not fighting anymore that want to do it um, or think about doing it. Just um, only because one, it was a couple of years ago. I had the conversation with uh, Henzo Gracie, and we were it was it was over some bad judging decision or something to that effect. And uh, one of the because one of the things I noticed is that a lot of the judges are come from the world of boxing that they don't understand. You know, they don't understand when you're working off of your back or you know. Uh, you know, uh, attacking, you know, submissions off your back or, and, and getting back to your, you know, they, they kind of just look at the guy on top and the guys on top and, and you could literally just be there and not do anything, but because you're on top, you know, the, the guy the, it scored for the guy on top. So maybe, maybe experienced, more experienced judges. I in my opinion, that's, that's one way to fix it. Um, just because, I mean, you brought it up. So I, I, I figured that you reminded me of that conversation I had with Henzo and he kind of agreed with me because I think Richard Steele's uh, MMA judge uh, in some states. I, I, maybe it might even be here in New York. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's one way to fix it. The 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 you mentioned your fight with Magny. Um, I mean, when uh, we I think when we broke down that event on on this podcast, I was my concern was that that he might have been too big for you, and you know just uh, because of the, like you said you did one fifty five to one seventy, and um, the uh uh i didn't know about your your knee issue until you just said it now plus the, the 
the whole, you know, you were getting ready for one guy and then and then you had this fight against Magny. So I, I just thought it was a culmination of everything. And then you mentioned the knee. I mean, that's the only reason I, I, I saw you, uh, you know, the fight turning out the way that it did. You're in the doghouse. <laughs> no, but honestly, like, I don't use the excuses uh the judging thing as as fighters don't want to be judges. I, I, yeah. I think that the UFC you're talking about a billion dollar company that if they really wanted uh ex fighters to be judges, yeah, you know, the, the, these guys are looking for jobs after after fighting. Man, I'll tell you right now, I've had fifteen fights in the UFC. I'm not ready. I walk away right now, I walk away with nothing. You know what I mean? Like, there's not, I'm not walking away to, you know, where I, I'm retired and, and I'm happy and I have money for my kids to go to college and and uh, to prosper in life later on. I, I need to get another job. You know what I mean? So mm. the, the the that excuse, I don't think that, uh, I think that the UFC has the financial uh, things. And I think that if they have educated judges, that they could easily get these commissions to approve these judges and, and to get them in there and uh, judge these fights. Yeah. I mean, I think they could, I, I think the, the commissions in certain States, you're going to run into problems because it's kind of a, a mob, you know, inside family business almost right. um, where it's so tightly, you know, you have to know somebody basically to get the job. Um, behind the scenes are you when do they when do you know the judges for your fight are you are you told ahead of time who's going to be judging your fight or, or do you find out just as you're basically in the cage i mean i guess I, i've never even listened for the judges or anything like that i try to you know i, I try to believe that they're going to be impartial you know, I, I try to believe that they're going to be uh true and, and just because you know the only thing I mean, as my, as personal, like even my, even my buddies, like I might be like rooting for them and whatnot, but I feel like I, I might be harsher on my friends than I am in uh, a random fight, you know? And so I try to be impartial on all fights, uh, obviously root for the people I want to root for, but I feel like I'm a pretty honest, uh, honest about scoring because it's, I feel like it's, it's not simple, but most of the times it, it's pretty clear, not clear, but even, you know, who's winning. You could see it, like you, you could see it if you're watching the fight fully. Like you could see it, yeah. and then sometimes they come up with these stupid ass stats. They're like, "Oh, look at these strike count or this strike significant." Those strike counts don't mean nothing. Why? Why the UFC is using those to even talk about fights sometimes makes absolutely no sense. You know what I mean? Because there's yeah. sometimes I get it if like you have nothing to talk about, but you know what I mean. If there's nothing else to talk about, maybe at the end of the fight you want to say, "Oh, these are the strikes." But strikes are lying. Like uh, strikes, you 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 could tell false stories from stats. Football, NFL, every sport tells lies about stats all the time, just to make everything look a lot better than what it looks. Yeah. Though the reason I asked about the judges is, I, I mean, it, it seems extreme, but there's not that many judges across the country that do the the bigger events. I wonder if if they told you ahead. I mean, if you knew two weeks in advance who was going to be your your judges. Do you not that you train for the judge, but if you know there's a judge out there who, in his last four fights, has given the edge to somebody in a round who's won only the last ten seconds of a round, yeah. would that be something that I mean, or is that just too much to even try to think about? Or I mean, the same guy, I guess, goes for well, not so much for referees. I was going to ask you about referees, and I'll just piggyback it off of it. Um, is there any referees 
uh, I mean, I don't, you got to be careful, I guess, maybe what you say, but uh, are there any referees that you favor? I guess you can say that. And I guess the second question would be, is there anybody that you, uh, you'd rather not be in the cage with them working the fight? Yeah, not really. So the same thing with the judging, actually. So like personally, like for me, I, I try to control only what I can control. You know what I mean? And uh Last thing you ever want to do is piss off a judge or piss off a referee. I promise you that. So, like, when there's some of these guys that come out and say, hey, I hate this ref and don't want this ref, it's very detrimental, I think, because easily it's like it's like being in an NBA game or NFL game and pissing off uh, the ref, you know. You, you don't want to do that. Like, what, are you crazy? Like, you, you want them to, like, just call or, or be, you know, a baseball player and talk shit to the ump. That, that the one that's calling strikes when you're batting like that seems like absolutely stupid right um so i think that you can only can control what you can but do i think there's a needs an overhaul of the system i do i think that i i also i just truly believe that it it needs you need to be held accountable and it, it's the same as these fighters like okay we lose we can be cut we got these we there's we lose all this money but when you mm. have a bad judging experience or, or a bad uh, wrapping experience, right? But there, there's nothing that happens. Oh, some some people on Twitter are, are talking shit about you. That's it. You know what I mean? The and then uh, Dana and all of them are kind of other than a couple referees, but yeah, he talks a little crap about the judging, but it, it, not enough. They they just announced today that their same judges are going to be out uh, Wednesday. So I, I, they're obviously in Wednesday and Saturday. So they obviously don't think there's that big of a problem with the judging. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it could be a logistics thing too because they're all in um, Fight Island where everything's closed off for that ten mile radius. So uh, that that's probably why that's the case there. They're only there for that one and one more, and then that's that. But um, you know, uh, as far as accountability, I I I, I do think uh, that would help. I mean, what's that? What's the judge? Uh, Doug Doug Crosby has openly stated like he doesn't like anybody from the Sarah Longo squad. You know, like he's got a gripe with them or whatever. So, yeah. I mean, there's there's history there that if they hear that that he's on he's judging on cards that there are, especially in New York, they're kind of just like, oh, are you kidding me? Why why is that guy even there? And um, I mean, I'm, I can't tell you how many times I've heard his name, even at out. Never mind the UFC outside of there. When I've uh, I've sat for uh, I've covered Bellator events out here in Connecticut on the East Coast, and um, when I there's always uh, when I hear his name, he's always attached to a score that's like from left field. So right. I, I do agree with you uh, about. I mean, if they should pull those guys aside enough times for if they have a history and and I ask them like. I'm, I think that if, if if that's really your opinion, if there's a if there's one gym in this world that any judge or referee is like, hey, mm-hmm. I hate this gym and I don't want no part with them. They they yeah. should be done. Yeah. They shouldn't have any part in this sport. Yeah. Your job is to be unbiased no matter what. Mm-hmm. So if you really, for some reason, if you can have so much hatred or, or so much dislike in your heart for a whole gym, what's saying that there's not more people out there that you don't like or, 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 or just like a certain thing that triggers you and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I hate this guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that instantly if someone has those feelings that, boom, you're gone. I, I don't see any 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 position in this sport that you belong. Yeah. You're being real open about this stuff, so I'm going to ask uh, a couple. You know, not, nothing that's going to nothing that's going to throw you under the bus yeah. with anybody. But um, one of my pet peeves when watching a fight uh, when it's being refed is, and, and I realize in a three round fight it can really sway the fight. 
But I get tired, man, of seeing dudes get kicked in the nuts or poked in the eyes and no points taken away. What's the yeah. fighter's perspective on that? How many – I mean, I've always joked about saying if you're losing a fight, you might as well grab the cage, poke him in the eyes, and then kick uh-huh. him in the nuts. Because you, <laughs> you, get, you get one of each free, you know, yeah. is, is the way it seems to me. And I don't know uh, – it seems like it sways so much of the fight, and you see so much momentum change, uh, yeah. even if tough dudes act like it doesn't anybody who's been in that situation realizes that you can't just shake that off in, in, in as quick as you, you do generally. What, um, what is your opinion on that? Do you, would you prefer more points taken away? Would you rather refs just let shit fly or, or how do you see that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would say eye pokes. I, I, I do believe that eye pokes should be um, a point. I do. I do think that I've never had an eye poke. I've never even been close to poking someone in the eye before. So I, I, I've still never understood how these guys are open-handed, pointing their fingers out, trying to grab these. I mean, I've always had my hand like this, but even when they attack, my first reaction isn't to stick my hand out. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. It's my first reaction. You're, I think that if you take away those points from that eye poke that you're going to teach a reaction of when you stick your hand out, it's to punch. It's not to, it's not to touch them or push them away. You know what I mean? I think that your first reaction should be to hit your opponent. You know what I mean? And uh, I think that the uh, eye poke should be a point. The nut shot, I think, is just depending on exactly what the circumstance is. Sometimes they're taking at the same time and one guy's going for a leg kick and the other guy's driving in. So there's different parts of a, a nut nut kick, but I think that the guy's standing in a regular stance and you just full-on kick him in the nuts, I think it should be a point. You know, I, I do mm-hmm. think so. I don't think there should be the warning because I don't know. I've only kicked the guy three times, maybe ever in training. So I don't know how it's happening 24 seven. I mean, it happens like seven times every single fight card. So I don't know what, what's happening, but I think that, uh, same thing I'll, I'll resort to is that you should be held accountable. Yeah. Okay. You're a professional. Uh, you should be held accountable. And, uh, it's the same strikes that you've thrown a million times in, in, in training. I think that that you should be held accountable for for what you do. And uh, if it's if you're getting points taken away, you, you need to train smarter and work your technique. And and I think that taking points away is going to hold people accountable. Same ways I think that the judging and referee should be held accountable. Then real quick, then that's the ref, the, the judging side. I've always been our uh, argument, you know, I'll fought for the more 10, 10 rounds. Yeah. Um, is that something that you would be on? I mean, you talk yeah. about the Magni fight, I mean, and your future and getting paid and stuff. A draw looks a lot better to the, to the head chiefs um, than a loss. Even if, even if the people can watch the fight and see that it was, it was, you know, a close uh, fight that, that you easily could have won. Uh, would you be all on a board with 10, 10 rounds and, and maybe have maybe, maybe having three or four or five draws on your record? Yeah, no, I think that there should be 10, 10 rounds. If, if, if uh, it, it always doesn't make sense to me because some people are so against 10, 10 rounds, like, Oh, you shouldn't be a judge. If it's a 10, if you get, if you're scoring a 10, 10 round, you have half the people scoring this way, and then you have the other half scoring the other way. Okay, yeah. it's a 10-10 round. Just put all three of you score 10-10. Let's see someone do some work and really see who the real winner is instead of it just coming straight down to judging, and the judges have all control of uh, of, of these guys' career trajectory. You know, I think that uh, that's the tough sports, tough spot is also 
there's the win bonus on the line. I think that win bonuses should go away as well. Mm. I agree. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I it's just the, the judging or is a just smaller chunk. I think it's smaller chunk. I think it, you should get upfront money at 75% and a win bonus at 25%. I feel like Bellator kind of does that a little bit, or they have, there's a little more flexibility. A lot of their guys don't have win bonuses. It's straight up cash to show up and fight. But I've, I've also seen some guys who, you know, their bigger names like a Chandler might make like eight, uh, 80 to a hundred to fight. And then if he wins, he wins like another like 40,000 or something on top of it, right. as opposed to it being double. Um, well, that's interesting. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of the fight. There's been a few of them where you've had fights where it's like there's literally been like one punch thrown. I feel like Romero, uh, Adesanya, the first round that of that wrong. fight, yeah, did, sure. didn't that didn't that have like three strikes thrown in the whole yeah. round? And then all yeah. three, none of the judges gave it 10-10. And I'm going, that's a 10-10 round. You don't right. win a round for, for punching the air one time. You know, yeah. so uh, I think that that would be a, a major swing. And I know a lot of people don't like draws. Um Coming up in MMA, the, the old Pancras days, uh, in, a, in a lot of Japanese organizations, they, they have guys have 10, 12, 15 draws on their record. Um, yeah. I think like Imanari, for example, I think he's got about 10 draws or something like that. Um, it's just because, you know, you don't give a win or a loss to somebody who didn't win or lose a fight. If it's even, it's even. So I'd love to see that change. Uh, the judges, the five judges they use in glory, I think that would help. Um, what is your opinion on open scoring? I don't mean to... to Take it out. I 100% think that open scoring is the best best case scenario for everything. And I think that the one argument that Dana tried to try to say was, oh, if you have open scoring, the guy that's in the lead is going to kind of run away, you know what I mean? Or, or try to stay with Yeah, but the other guy's going to be chasing him down, trying to kill him. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the other guy, okay, the other guy's like, shit, what do I got to do? I got to go try to go kill this guy. So it's like, okay, and then, believe me, you the guy pretty much knows. Most of he's easily won the first two rounds. He pretty much knows, but in close round scoring, your 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 corner's telling you like in the Magni fight, my corner both said, "Hey, you won these first two rounds." You know what I mean? Uh, obviously, Magni thought the same thing. Their, their, their corners telling that he's lost his first two rounds. You got to go finish Tony. But if if live scoring came out, shit, everyone would have been shocked at that point. But it's also, I think it makes more exciting fights. I, I truly believe that you'd have one guy being shocked in the middle of the fight. And everyone in the crowd would be shocked, but it'd be like, "Hey, you got to go kill this guy. Something's got to change." So and I think that I think I'm, I'm fully game for it. So for you, it's not because I know the the counter argument that I've heard is you know it's a distraction, but for you, it'd be a motivator. I I don't know how it could be a distraction. I mean, yeah. it, you're being as real as it comes. Like we're we're talking about the realest sport in the world. Yeah, and you're talking about these guys is career on the line and everything's on the line. It's like, there's, I don't know if there's real, like if a real fighter, if, if you ask the fighter right before the fight, Hey, if we could tell you the scores in between rounds, would you do it? Yeah, of course they would. Why wouldn't you? You, you want to know, yeah. Hey, is this, is, was that mostly a close, close round? You're like, shit, who won? Why do you want to leave it up to the judges? No, I want to know now. So I know next round that I got to turn it up. I got to do something different. Um, so yeah, I mean, for every boring fight it might create, I mean, I just can't even imagine what, like, the fifth round for Volkanovski-Holloway would have looked like if both of those guys would have known for a fact it was 2-2. Mm, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. you might end up with – I mean, you might end up with a boring fight every card, but you might end up with two or three, you know, fight of the decades if, if people are need to, you know, comes down to that, especially with a title on the line. So, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that should change. I think the UFC has the pull to do it. Um, historically, they really – don't seem like they've ever wanted to kind of put their neck on the line. I think this is a time that um, 
with the sport where it is right now that it's either put your neck on the line or, or something's not going to, it's, it's not going to, it's going to screw somebody really big. You know, it, it already is. I mean, we talk about your fight, uh, perhaps Holloway. I mean, it's changing people's lives. Not, not why them not? being it. Why not? Exactly. Why not? Why not? Why not do it on the prelims then? Hey, let's test go. it. Let's test it. Hey, we'll do the, the, the so-called fight pass prelims. Let's, mm-hmm. let's test it on there. Let's do yeah. some test runs. But if, if you're not going to, if you don't think that if you, if half the people say it's going to be better, half to say it not, let's test it. You don't have to test it in the main card right away. You don't got to test it on those five rounders right away, but let's test it on the, the prelims. Let's see what people think about it. And then let's go from there. And that's a good idea. Sounds good to me. I mean, they got the contender yeah. series. They got the ultimate fighter. I mean, there's plenty of ways that they can test it. It's being used in Invicta right now. And I know they've yeah. used that, for, I think, for the last, what, four or five half dozen yeah. events. And, and I haven't heard any complaints from anybody. Um, and their shows have been exciting. So it hasn't, we haven't had a case of somebody running away. Plus, if somebody's running away and around, I mean, literally trying to run away, that's where the referee's job is to step in and start taking points away for, yeah. for being timid. So if everybody's mm-hmm. doing their jobs, uh, it, it, I don't think it would it would be a huge, huge thing. But, uh, you know, I don't, uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. We, we kind of swayed towards a lot of uh, referee and judging, but it's a conversation that we don't get a lot to have with somebody who's, who's opened up about it and, and, and be willing to, you know, say their opinions as, as much as you and, and you being a UFC fighter uh, for us is a, is a treat to, to have somebody that's competed at that level. Um, why don't you throw out your, uh, your Twitter handles, your podcast name, give us every way uh, fans can get a hold of you or, or uh, follow you. Yeah, my Twitter's uh, at Tony Rocco Martin. Uh, Instagram's at Anthony Rocco Martin. And uh, Rocco and Ryan show with uh, Ryan Gerald. Uh, so make, make sure you guys look out for us. And uh, I'll add my stuff on there and make sure I start being a little bit better on social media. And that's uh, your, your podcast is on uh, YouTube. Is it on all the audio ones as well? Yep, it's on YouTube. Uh, what else do we have? It. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. You. Yeah. No. But it, but it, but it is. There is an audio only version of it. You guys have iTunes and all that other uh, stuff. I think so. I think it. so. Yep. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, uh, fans can follow us uh, at Combat Hour on Twitter, Coast to Coast Combat Hour on Instagram. Follow me, Matthew Hawkins, at MMA Hawk Twenty One on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Ed at Carbizal on Twitter, Carbizal on Instagram. Uh, check this interview out on allaccessmma.com. Uh, Tony, thanks for joining us, Matt. I'd love to have you on again in the future because there's obviously a ton of stuff uh, that I'd like to talk about. Uh, you being a big fight fan I would be more than welcome. Uh, you know, and, and uh, it, I think it could be a conversation we could have a lot. I'd like to get, dig into more about uh, you just being a fan of the sport. So thanks for joining us, man. And uh, best wishes, best with your knee. And uh, we look forward to rooting for you in your next fight. Hey, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Hope you uh, heal up soon. And uh, if you get something booked, uh, by all means, you want to plug it, let us know. We'll have, we'd yes, love sir. to have you back. Take care. I got you guys. Thank you. Have a good night. Good night. You Dude, too. Cool. Hey, guys. Ed here. East Coast side of the Coast to Coast Combat Hour podcast. If you like what we're doing, make sure you subscribe on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, if you'd like to help us out and donate, uh, the support links are in any of the uh, podcast descriptions. And the links are also provided on our YouTube channel, The Blogboard Jungle. Um, Thanks again for listening. 
And if you give us some support, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. Maybe uh, bring you on for a UFC pay-per-view breakdown or two. Thanks again.